for generations, journalists in North America have been trained to report using a, an arm's length reporting. And as time went on, it became clear that that was not going to be the best way to build a relationship with this community and to share their story. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fourth Space Podcast. We'd like to begin by acknowledging that Fourth Space and Concordia University are located on unceded indigenous lands. The Cayuncahaga Nation is recognized as custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather. And Chichague, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. We respect the continued connections with the past, the present, and the future in our ongoing relationships with indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. In this episode, we have a conversation with Prem Siriakamar, research broker from the Office of Research, as he sits down with Aphrodite Salas. Aphrodite began teaching in the Department of Political Science, but is now assistant professor in the Department of Journalism. Uh, Aphrodite is also a research associate at the Concordia University Acts of Listening Lab and a member of the National Board of Directors of the Canadian International Council. Aphrodite was a video journalist and assignment editor at CTV Montreal and a senior anchor at Global Quebec, and she hosted her own current affairs radio program on 940 Montreal. As a national correspondent, Aphrodite covered Parliament Hill and Ottawa for City TV's Toronto and Vancouver stations. Um, as an anchor, Aphrodite has been on the desks of CTV News Channel, CT City TV's CP24, CKCO Kitchener, and others. Aphrodite's research focuses on journalism and the role specifically the journalism schools can play in reconciliation. Leading up to the interview, I had a chance to talk to Prem about his process. My name is Prem Suryakumar. Um, I'm a knowledge broker at Concordia University. Uh, so I've recently had the opportunity to sit down and speak to Aphrodite Salas. Uh, it wasn't my first time speaking to her. I met her uh, when she started at Concordia, but it was the most in-depth conversation I've had with her. And it was really incredible because having taught throughout her career, but really transitioning into becoming a researcher, I really thought it was a really wonderful opportunity to really understand because she still, still has an outside point of view while becoming an insider in academia and really understanding the, the work that she's doing in journalism and advancing on how, how the f discipline is evolving and uh, can contributing to that discipline. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's go to the interview. Thanks, Prem. So for me, one of the things I like to ask first is, is really kind of an overview, you know, as a faculty member in the journalism department, I would love to hear your perspective on journalism. So in, in a way, your definition that helps us understand your approach to teaching, to practicing and uh, researching journalism. I think that journalism's role in the world uh, was never so clear as it is um, today and in the last few years in particular. Um, journalism is about truth um, and the spread, rapid spread of disinformation and misinformation uh, has damaged communities everywhere. And I think the role of journalism and journalists is to combat that, uh, but at the same time to arm themselves with better knowledge um, as to how to make the truth more clear 
it's a difficult process, uh, particularly these days, because of the way information uh, has spreads on the internet, obviously, and in social media. And I think there's two sides to the fight against disinformation and misinformation. Number one, journalists need to be better prepared. Uh, journalists need to uh, train themselves to, on how to check and double check and triple check and identify sources of misinformation or disinformation. It's a different way of doing the job. So in terms of journalism education, the um, different tactics and different skills of fighting disinformation is critical. Uh, and citizens themselves, apart from journalists, but citizens, the public uh, also uh, need people in general need to understand the sources of what is out there, the disinformation, the misinformation, and how to identify and spot and disengage. There's a lot of, as we, as we know, the, uh, there are many instances of deliberate manipulation of, of public opinion on social media. And some of the training involves identifying hoaxes, uh, uh, making sure that you can identify and research um, a website, for example, 20 years back uh, through different tools uh, to uh, verify who's posting what, to identify who owns a new site, who started a new site, cross-reference, uh, just in order to expose misinformation, to uh, diminish online manipulation of public opinion. So uh, these tools are not only good for journalists, but obviously for journalism students. What I'm curious about, and again, is maybe I'm making an assumption, but journalism seems to be such an interesting discipline that it keeps evolving. And like the last 20 years, like recently I had a conversation with a friend of mine, we're 20 years different, but we were paper boys when we were young, but like in 20 years apart. And it was still the same practice. And, but then it was like, suddenly there's this whole shift that happened. Right. And, um, and I'm curious is that you, you have, you're in a discipline that's like fundamentally shifting. And I'm curious, how, how do you keep up? How, what is your kind of approach to it? That's a great question. Um, I spent 20 years of my life uh, being a visual journalist in different countries, in different provinces, in different cities. And uh, I evolved throughout that process of 20 years, uh, went from having a team of people with me to eventually doing the job 100% by myself. Uh, the research uh, that I've chosen to explore and embark on, uh, particularly since joining the Department of Journalism uh, in my current capacity uh, as an assistant professor, really takes a lot of that. Uh, what I, I ended up with at the end of my career as a mobile journalist, as a mobile visual journalist, and then I wanted to apply it to uh, larger societal issues um, that we are facing as a collective. So that I, I, I continue to train myself. I continue to um, engage with uh, those currently in the profession through different uh, working projects so that I'm, I know what's going on in the industry. And I continue to contribute as a journalist 
But in terms of the research, I'm hoping to apply what we're doing to a bigger societal problem or concern. And in my case, it's um, looking for ways to really bring together and look at how non-Indigenous students are reporting um, Indigenous issues or the relationship between the two. So this is what I'm studying and very passionate about because I feel that there's a lot of room for growth in this area, in our country and in our industry. And uh, I've found some wonderful partners to work with me. And I've, I, I've, I feel in my gut that this is the right thing to do for our students and, and for society at large. What, are, what a challenging, just even approaching that, because it's like all this debate about who's allowed to tell a story. How do you tell a story? I would be curious to know, how do you, how do you set up a project like that with your students? Kind of what is your framework that you approach this with? Well, I'll tell you, it really started uh, a few years ago. I was at a policy conference called the BAMP Forum, a really excellent policy conference. And I happened to be speaking to Perry Bellegarde. We were talking about food sustainability in the North, just because that was one of my areas of interest as a reporter. And uh, I became part of a larger conversation uh, with a group of Indigenous leaders who were talking about clean energy solutions uh, in remote parts of the country and how um, many Indigenous communities were really leaders in this regard. And I, 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 you know, I had heard some about it, but I was really brought in by one particular community, uh, Kiashke, Zagging, Anishinaabek, Galbay First Nation, embraced me. And uh, I felt that we developed a really strong working relationship to share their story. Um, we asked permission to share their story. We took time. It was a really humbling experience to do that. I initially thought I would do it as a journalist, but then um, I ended up doing it as a researcher alongside my students. I brought uh, a group of five students on two separate occasions, undergraduates and graduate, a mix. Uh, we went twice to the community and we spent our time there um, in order to really learn what they were doing. Um, they were building um, an incredible microgrid, a solar powered microgrid. So the first of its kind in Canada and really a, a wonderful example of, a of how a community can move off of diesel. So it's interesting because I, I found that I really evolved as a journalist and as an educator throughout that whole experience because uh, for generations, journalists in North America have been trained to, to report using a, an arm's length reporting method or just a very detached method, uh, top down method of reporting. And as time went on, it became clear that that was not going to be the best way to build a relationship with this community and to share their story. So it was a process that really challenged me to think differently about journalism education and reconciliation and what that means. I was inspired to answer a call to action. So just in 2015, we all, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission released its final reports and findings. And in the summary report, uh, the commissioners included a very large section on media and reconciliation. It was an incredibly written part of the 
report, just really noting that for generations, coverage of Indigenous issues has always tended towards um, racist depictions, negative stereotypes. This is something we know it was underlined in the report and change has been very slow. The report went on to say that there was a role for journalism educators to play in this. Um, And that is where I saw my contribution uh, and will hope Hope my contribution is in that area. That's what I'm working towards. Um, And just thinking about how to change journalism education, adapt journalism education to make it stronger and better for the next generations in terms of all of us working together, living together in this country. Uh, Would it be possible to reveal or open up about some of the discoveries or kind of approaches to this? the journalism that you're hoping for? For sure. I mean, just a a very easy example is uh, building time into a reporting schedule. So that's not something that you normally uh, have the luxury of doing when you're reporting on stories in in a, I don't want to say normal, but just in a day-to-day environment. In Montreal, if I'm going to be reporting on a story, I won't build in time to get to know someone or have tea before an interview. It's not typical. But uh, in Galbe First Nation, I was taught that uh, if I wanted to share the story, I'd have to do things a bit differently. So I would have to take time. I would have to um, allow the story to evolve alongside the people I was interviewing. So it, it required a more collaborative approach. I have a partner, Indigenous Clean Energy. I'm working with three more communities, one in remote uh, Saskatchewan, uh, northern British Columbia, and northern Quebec. And we are looking at replicating the model of um, spending time in each community, uh, really getting to know our interviewees and approaching the storytelling and sharing in a collaborative way uh, using conciliatory methods. So it's a it's a different approach, a more inclusive approach, and I hope an approach that builds empathy and that will at at least allow our students to move forward and feel equipped to build relationships with indigenous communities across the across the land in a, in a very open and honest way and in a way that acknowledges the damage of the past as well it acknowledges the uh, 120 plus years of negative media and stereotyping that has gone on and acknowledge that and 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 educate themselves on that before moving forward it's all part of it I know one of your goals is to, you know, what you're doing here is to engage students and create kind of opportunities and experiences for them. Uh, What are the expectations of the current students in the kind of digital social media news world that they're they're living in? You know, it's interesting. Um, The students, many of them uh, feel drawn to sharing stories, to the pursuit of the truth, as most journalism students do. Many of them, however, also have an eye on different careers. It's interesting. I feel uh, that a lot of them don't necessarily uh, expect to be a journalist their whole lives. 
Some of them are interested in law school. I've had a number go off to law school. Some of them are interested in communications and marketing. Some of them are interested in filmmaking. Um, and they view an education in journalism as a good base, which I agree with. At the same time, uh, all the students I brought with me, let me think, are they all in journalism? The six that I had involved in this project, one is now full-time at CTV Montreal. Uh, another one is full-time in Ganawagi at the Eastern Door. Another one is doing a master's degree in investigative journalism in London. Another one is now a policy uh, consultant at Global Affairs Canada. Um, and another one is working at the Center for Race Relations here in Montreal. So, it, so generally speaking, there's always going to be some the, a core group that will become journalists, hardcore journalists, uh, and they're and they're building up to a career in journalism. That's what we get them ready for. And it's exciting, too, because our department has so many opportunities. The Institute for Investigative Journalism, uh, the internships, the uh, professors that we have on hand, our, our, our professors are fantastic because we have a core group, obviously, and we have many different uh, professors, part-time faculty as well, who are working journalists. So there's a good opportunity for students to talk to people who, who are currently in the field, learn from them and see where they might fit. It's, I have to say the students come in often thinking one thing and then they may um, discover a love for another part of journalism that they didn't necessarily expect. You know, as part of, if I was to look at the rest of the research ecosystem, we do the work at the university, but our goal is also to transfer that knowledge to industry, to, to, to share it through teaching, through, and I'm curious how, how does the journalism department connect to industry and the stuff you're developing, say even related to indigenous communities, how do you get that known to the industry? Or is it just through the students? Or I'm just curious how you approach it. Um, it well, in my case, I created for my own research, I created a partnership with CTV. They were my employer for, for a very long time. Um, and I approached uh, CTV with this idea, wh why don't we have a situation where we can you know, create this incredible multimedia portal and I can also offer the students some professional uh, training within CTV so that they learn. They also uh, are able to meet a lot of people in the building and on the project and potentially develop relationships. And at the same time, we get the word out there about this amazing story. Um, so I, I developed that, but that's not the only example we have. We have, uh, of course, the Institute for Investigative Journalism that has media partners clear across the country that all work in tandem on massive investigative stories with students across from coast to coast to coast, uh, which is incredible. The other thing, too, is that we're all, many of us are part of our professional organizations as well. Um, so in my case, the RTDNA, the Radio and Television Digital News Association, uh, where we are often always in contact with professionals in the field. Uh, also, it's interesting, but the news organizations come to us for our students. Uh, I 
have emails. Well, just this week, I've had two, one for a, an amazing position for a French print uh, editorship, and then another one for a visual journalism news job. So we have a good, clear working relationship with professionals across the industry who are in search of our grads, who are in search of strong journalism students, because the skills are, are in need. It goes both ways. And we cultivate those relationships with um, interesting work projects, interesting research projects, internships, and the like. Going from interviewing, maybe we could part of the discussion is to talk about what's next and look at potential collaboration. Uh, what are some upcoming projects? Yeah, for sure. So I have right now, um, my next big project is uh, with, so I, it's a it's a shirt grant, so a Social Sciences Humanities Research Council grant, and uh, I'm going to be exploring uh, conciliatory journalism as applied to journalism education in the media. And uh, I have a partnership with Indigenous Clean Energy with my three communities, one in Northern Quebec, one in Northern Saskatchewan, one in Northern BC. So I'll be putting out a call to hire some research assistants uh, across the board and they don't have to be journalism students. So I'm obviously would like to speak with all kinds of departments who might be interested. Um, perhaps film, Indigenous studies, uh, film studies, uh, communications, journalism. So I'll be hiring students for that. Um, that'll be the next couple of years. That's very exciting. And I'm also working with Spoken Web as well and uh, working with uh, a student that we just brought on board and that'll be uh, moving forward on the social media strategy for so Spoken Web. So that's going to be exciting. How to pitch stories again, identify stories, amplify what Spoken Word is doing. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was so nice to connect. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Nice seeing you again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Space Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Instagram, and Facebook at CU Fourth Space. The Fourth Space Podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, edited by Makai Halkrow, and produced by Anna Blockelbeck, Douglas Moffat, and Prem Siakamar. Our theme music is courtesy of Supercontinent. Thanks, and see you soon.